1: hey this is trey thank you for joining us for another thursdays with trey which of course is the day when we get to a field and entertain uh, your questions. And I love it. It's one of my favorite days of the week. So with that, Mary Langston, how are you?
2: I'm doing great, Trey. How are you?
1: I have no complaints.
2: Well, that is wonderful. We have a lot of good questions today. We actually have four. So are you ready to get started?
1: I think so. I hope so.
2: Okay, wonderful. They're wonderful questions. So we'll get started. Our first question is from Henry in Alabama. He writes, how do you balance all the opposing opinions in Congress with your own personal beliefs and be able to vote on a bill?
1: Well, Henry, that's a tough one. Some districts are split 50 50 on certain issues. Some districts are split, you know, 55, 45, even in heavily Republican or Democrat districts. All the Republicans and all the Democrats don't agree with one another. So, And plus, being in the majority does not make you right or even mean your position is the best position. It just means it's the most popular position, but it doesn't mean it's the best one. Plus, it's hard to know how a district as a whole thinks or believes. I mean, human nature is such that you hear from the people who are most upset. So the volume is loud, but it may be only 20% of your district. And it is very easy to confuse volume with size. Uh, we do it in other facets of life. You know, we've got five kids, the one that's screaming the loudest tends to get a disproportionate amount of attention sometimes. <laughs> so, one of the main jobs of someone in elected office is to share information that may not be easily obtained or readily available. Uh, sometimes things are misrepresented by the media. I don't want to shock people. I don't want to. I don't want them to like fall over. But sometimes things are misrepresented by the media, on both sides. And your job is to simply let the district know what the reality is, what the truth is. I I remember once Tim Scott and I voted for something that you would have thought handed the United States over to another country based on what talk radio was saying and therefore spinning up the people that listen to conservative talk radio. I mean, you honestly would have fought that Tim Scott and I voted to turn the governance of the United States over to another country. I have no idea how they got so spun up, but we actually never voted on the underlying bill. What we voted on was whether or not you should be able to read the underlying bill. So what is the argument against being able to read something? I, I mean, to this day, Tim and I joke about it. Because, I mean, what is the argument against you, the constituent, being able to read what is in a trade agreement? So, uh, by the way, we never voted on the underlying bill, just whether or not you should be able to read it. Mm-hmm. What you ask is um, – always hard separating what you think or believe from what others prefer or even what the majority believes so you have to have lots of conversations kind of sort through the noise and the misinformation I actually tell a story in a book that I have coming out in January about Mm -hmm. the time I wrote a press release announcing I was not going to run again Uh, it's a long story and I'm not going to bore you any more than I've already bored you today Mm -hmm. with it but suffice it to say what I thought was right was not what most Republicans in my district or the ones I heard from thought was right. So when you reach the point when, uh, or where your views are not aligned with the districts, uh, you can run and lose, or you can just say, I have loved representing you, but I can't do it the way you want me to do it and not run again. And there's, there's nothing dishonorable in saying that I, am not at a spot in life where I can adequately represent the majority of the people in this district. I still want to live here. I still love it. It's still home. You can just do better in terms of finding a representative. There's nothing wrong with reaching that point in life. So it's a great question, Henry. A lot of people struggle with it. You know, Balancing your own beliefs with the beliefs of the people you purport to represent it's complicated. You know, sometimes the minority is right. Uh, so you do the best you can and you have an open line of dialogue and most constituents do not require you to be perfect. They just require you to be honest and all of us ought to be able to pull that off.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, Henry, for your thoughtful question. Our next question is from Carrie in Maine. She writes, what made you decide to go into law? Was it something you wanted to do since childhood?
1: (laughs) Oh, Carrie, if only you had grown up with me during Mm. childhood. Uh, No, ma'am. My father was a doctor, so um, I don't recall ever hearing anything good about lawyers growing up. (laughs) I heard a lot of lawyer jokes, but I don't remember ever hearing anything good about lawyers. There was not a lawyer in my family anywhere on either side you can find bank robbers. You can find train robbers. You can find a whole host of, of undesirable folks. I think I had a, I, well, I don't think I know I had a relative whose name was Jesse James. Cause I'm mad at my mom for not going back in time and picking that <laughs> name out. And we've called me Jesse James, but I went to law school because I didn't have any other options. That's just the most honest way to say it. I was a history major who didn't know, a lot of history. My favorite discipline was psychology, but I could not get a major in psychology because I could not pass testing and measurement, which was a required class. And there um, are numbers in that class. You know, I look back on that Kevin Gilliland passed testing and measurement. How in the world could I not pass that? I mean, he's no better with numbers than I am, but he's now, he's a clinical psychologist. He went on and got his, Psy-D in psychology, but that was my first love, psychology, not history. So I didn't have a choice. I had to go to law school. It was a default to really buy myself three more years to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And, you know, because God has a sense of humor, it wound up being exactly what I love the most, which is being in a courtroom. And it was just dumb luck that got me there.
2: Well, I'm very glad it got you there. And thank you, Carrie, for your question.
1: You're the only one.
2: <laughs> I don't know about that. And now you've got someone following your footsteps. So you just never know what will happen.
1: Yeah, I've been a failure as a parent. Both my kids went to law school. You're right. (laughs) Thank you for reminding me that.
2: No, 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 no. That's a great thing. They're both intelligent. But thank you, Carrie, for your question. Our next question is from Pam all the way in Montana. She writes, she actually has two questions, Trey. So I'll start with the first. Could it be legal to pass a law to say you cannot protest if you're being paid to protest? And the second question is, Would this still not protect the individual's rights to protest, but prevent others from creating protesting jobs for their causes and often bail them out when arrested?
1: Well, Pam, I certainly understand your frustration, um, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, the answer would be no, I don't think so. Um, I think it would run afoul of the First Amendment. I mean, we pay people to sell products they don't use. Uh, we allow people to be paid uh, to read news, even though they may have a different opinion on what's happening. We pay people to do lots of jobs uh, that those folks don't like or don't believe in. Um, you know, That said, if you're having to pay people to protest, that is something the public would want to know and should know. If you're marching because you believe something is really right or really wrong, that's very different from marching because someone is paying you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes to credibility. It goes to character. It goes to believability. It goes to the strength of your case of your cause. In my judgment, it makes your cause much more suspect. Um, if you're having to be paid to go do something, but we pay people all the time to do and say things that they don't really believe. I mean, people sell vacuum cleaners that they don't really think are the best vacuum cleaner. People work at, you know, Ingalls or Publix or Bilo, even though they may in their well of souls think one of their competitors has a better produce department. So mm-hmm. I, I, I I do get the frustration. I think, you know, we can, that didn't even get into, quite frankly, whether it's OK if you don't pay them, but you give them water while they're processing because that's a thing of value. Or you give them food because that's a thing of value. Or you hold an umbrella if it's raining or if it's super hot. You know, that's a thing of value. Can you pay for them to stay in a hotel while they're there? Or can you reimburse them for gas mileage? It gets very complicated and, you know, for better, or for worse. You know, the First Amendment allows people to do things and say things that they don't really believe. And I do get the frustration when you hear that people are having to be paid to protest. That should make you challenge and question the firmness of their convictions or at least ask questions about it. But I don't think we will ever get to the point, nor should we get to the point, where the fact that someone is being compensated, you know, and then that gets into, can you reimburse reasonable expenses? Can you at least make them whole? If they have to drive, can you reimburse gas and do you reimburse what they actually paid or do you pay them, you know, 57 cents a mile, even though that's a little more than maybe what you know gas alone would cost? it gets super complicated. Mm -hmm. The first amendment is, um, You know, that's a whole nother question, but I don't think that would pass constitutional muster to use a law school phrase.
2: Well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, Pam, for your question. We'll answer more of your questions when we come
0: back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
2: Our last question is a fun one, Trey, and it's from Art in Maryland. He writes, what is your favorite movie and why?
1: Who said that was fun? That's the toughest question <laughs> of all.
2: I'll take credit for that one.
1: I'd rather I'd rather like talk about the intricacies of the First Amendment than have to pick <laughs> my favorite movie. But who would have thought? It is uh The Mission, which is an older movie. Uh it has an uh unbelievable cast in it. Uh Jeremy Irons, uh Robert De Niro, Liam Neeson. Uh it is um beautiful from a setting standpoint. The story uh, to me, is amazing. It is Jeremy Irons does as good a job of kind of capturing what I would imagine to be the characteristics of Christ. Obviously, he wasn't Christ. He was a priest. But it's an amazing movie, and I would list that as my favorite movie. Now, It's not a comedy, and I'd rather watch a comedy probably than – so my favorite comedy is Fletch, Mm -hmm. which is an old movie with Chevy Chase that I can quote almost every single line from Fletch. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, other movies, if you're not into The Mission or Fletch, um, I liked uh, Gladiator. I like Deja Vu and The Book of Eli. Uh, I actually liked The English Patient. I may be the only person on the planet who liked the. I say I liked it. I thought it was really well done and a compelling story. I like Legends of the Fall, um, along with every other woman in the world, because Brad Pitt's in it. He's also in Fight Club, which I like, but he's you know very different character in Fight Club. Another, you know, sleeper comedy that maybe you haven't seen in a while is Overboard with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. That's probably my wife's favorite comedy because there's like no violence, no bad word. There may be a bad word in there, but she's probably knows when that word's coming and hits the mute button. Um, She likes that. I like Bandits, which is kind of a sleeper comedy with Billy Bob Thornton and Bruce Willis. So, I mean, I watch more miniseries than I do movies, but The Mission, uh, number one movie overall, Fletch, number one comedy. But enough about me. I mean, what are yours? I mean, what am I missing? I get I get stuck in this crime genre, uh, not real crime. I don't like real crime. I don't watch that. Mm-hmm. But crime dramas, uh, I like comedies, but, you know, most of this stuff now, I like Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn. I think they're, you know, I think they're funny. Uh, my wife does not. But um, but I'm open to recommendations because, you know, I'm essentially trapped in my office um, all day long. Terry takes my car keys, won't let me go to the golf course. Uh, it's too far to walk. So I'm open to any movie ideas you may have. Share them with me.
2: Yeah. Y'all should send them our way. Um, the only ones I was going to suggest was the mission as well, because Trey, you recommended it and it's a wonderful movie. Count of Monte Cristo is also great. Um, I also like, I like hidden figures and you've got mail. Those are two on my top list. I doubt you're going to watch. You've got mail Trey, but you just never know.
1: You've got mail.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. It has Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. It's an old one.
1: I'm not going to watch. Of course not. Um, (laughs) That what I mean wasn't there some movie Sally tried to kill Harry or Harry met Sa- something something like, like
2: that? that. I actually have never seen that, but I think you're right. She's in that one as well.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I I I, uh, I like comedies, but the comedies I like, <laughs> I mean, you and Terry would find unwatchable. It, it's it's. It's Will Ferrell, you know, acting like an eight-year-old or Vince Vaughn with his sarcasm. Uh, I just, I mean, Fletch is in a league by itself mm-hmm. to me. Fletch is a great one. Uh, but I'll say this about the mission. I mean, the guy, there are several of my fraternity brothers, you know, grew up different state. We were together for four years. We've been, you know, stayed in contact ever since it is stunning Mm. to me the number of my peers that have seen the mission that would also list that as their favorite movie
2: Mm -hmm. it's very powerful and very well written
1: it won several academy awards but not necessarily for for that maybe for you know i don't even know what cinemography is but i think it won for that or music Mm -hmm. or soundtrack or something but it's uh, it's great. It's not one you're going to sit there and watch a thousand times, like the Equalizer or the Equalizer Two or Man on Fire with Denzel Washington. Um, uh, Deja Vu, I really uh, like Denzel Washington's in that with Paula Patton. Um, she's actually dead at one point, and I, I that's one of the prettiest people I've ever seen in my life, even when she's playing dead. So. <laughs> Uh, I have to keep reminding myself. She's not really dead. It's just a movie, but Mm. I don't want to spoil the ending, but uh, there are lots of good ones out there. So send me something if you got it on your mind, because like I said, I'm essentially on house arrest. So, (laughs) Uh, and thank you. Um, I am sure that we will get questions. I think there might've been like some FBI execution of a search warrant or something. Mm. Uh, Yes, sir. Yeah. So, I, uh, if you got questions about that, I got a lot of questions and well, waiting on answers, but I'll do my best. If you got questions about anything, fire them our way and Mary Langston mm-hmm. will take the first crack at them. And then if she wants to pass one on to me, she can.
2: <laughs> we'll see about that. Have a great week. And thank you for sending us your questions. We're looking forward to next week.
1: righty, You take care of yourself, Mary Langston, and we'll see all y'all next week.